All right, so let's have a word of prayer and let's begin our study of the word of God today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for technology because it fails and works at the same time. And Father, we pray for the presence of your spirit with us. We pray, Lord, for your angels to be with us. Today, we are going to study a very important topic, a topic that we will continue to develop in the coming weeks. And so we pray that you will be with us. This is a special topic in relating to the identity and mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your guidance. I pray for clarity. And I pray, Lord, that you will help me to speak in simple but clear terms and that your spirit will help us all to understand what the Bible is telling us today. Please be with us. Bless us, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, now, um, wait a second. Something is, um, let me, I need to do something here in my computer to have, because this is confusing for me. Um, pin the video. Okay. All right. So that should not move anymore. All right. So let's go there. So for today, I have this message for you that I want to share. It's called Angel Messages from Space. And it is based on the book of Revelation. So if you have your Bible, I will need you to please open your Bible now in Revelation chapter 14 and verses 6 to 12. Please go now. Of course, you will, the, you will have the screens, but remember, the screen is for the lazy. Um, I need you to have your Bible open so that you can follow, so that you can underline, so that you can, um, if you want, you can have a notebook and you can write comments and questions, and then we can look for a way to address those. So here we go. Um, I want to remind you that all the previous studies and all the previous messages that we have shared are on our website. So you can go to dubaiadventist.org and you can study for yourself in Amazing Facts or you can listen to the messages, the past messages on Anchor FM forward slash SDA dash church. Um, all our previous messages are there already. So you can go and have a look. Now for today, the very first question that we want to talk is why are we studying Revelation? Isn't it sealed? Sometimes people feel that the book of Revelation is impossible to understand, that the symbols just make no sense, that it's just beyond us and it's not open for us to study it. Now, in a sense, some prophecies of the Bible are sealed, yes, or rather were sealed, because um, the book of Daniel says that some of its prophecies are sealed until the time of the end. Now, we believe that that time has already come, so they are not sealed anymore. They were sealed for a while. But in the case of the book of Revelation, it has never been. If you read Revelation chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3, it says, This is the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then listen to this. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, 
and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So there is no sense here that this book is closed. There is no sense here that this book is not possible to be understood. Actually, there is a blessing for the one who reads the book to others, and there is a blessing on those who hear the book being read to them. Also, as you go to the end of the book, Revelation 22 and verse 10, it says, Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. So at the beginning of the book, you are told the time is near. Listen to this. At the end of the book, you are told the time is near. Listen to this. And it is not blocked. It is not sealed. So as we begin our study today and in the coming weeks, because today we are beginning a topic that we will continue to follow for maybe four, five, six weeks. As we begin this study of the book of Revelation, you can have the assurance that this is a message from Jesus to you. It's a message that God wants you to understand. It's a message that is open and is a message that there is a blessing for the one who says it. So praise the Lord. There is a blessing for me now. And there is a blessing for you as you listen, as you believe, and as you apply. Now, question number two for today. God commissioned his church to take the gospel to every creature. You can read that in Mark 16 and verse 15. How does he symbolize this sacred work in the book of Revelation. So as we come to the book of Revelation, how is that preaching, how does it look like? Many Bible scholars, many New Testament scholars, and specialists in the book of Revelation will tell you that the center of the book, the climax of the book, is found in chapter 14. Lots of important things coming before chapter 14. Lots of important things coming after chapter 14. But the heart of the book of Revelation and the climax is chapter 14. Now, in chapter 14, we find three angels giving very important messages. Now, we will read now those messages briefly, and then we will elaborate on what they mean. Chapter 14 and verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. This is the very first angel. But there is a second one, verse 8. The second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. This is the second angel. But there is a third one, verse 9. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead, or on their hand, and then we will continue. But for now, I just wanted to show you that there are three angels giving very important messages in the book of Revelation, and this is the center of the book. After these three angels fly and give their messages, the end comes. There is a huge um, harvest, and we will talk about that again a bit later. So the preaching of the gospel looks in the book of Revelation like three angels flying in midair and speaking with very loud voice. Now, question number three for today. What two crucial points does Revelation 14.6 reveal about God's message for the last days? And we will go there. Let's have a look again. I hope you have your Bibles open before you. And uh, let's read again in verse 6. 
Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. There are many things that we could mention, but I, I want you to focus on two things. The first thing is that this angel has the everlasting gospel. Now, obviously, by now you should know that the word gospel means good news. So this angel is giving you good news, and this is an angel. He is flying in the midst of the heavens so everybody can see him. He has a loud voice. It's not on this text, but as you read in the context, you, you see that the angel has a very loud voice, and he has the gospel. That's the very first thing. The gospel, everlasting, doesn't change. It was the same at the beginning. It is the same at the end. It is eternal. It is everlasting. The second thing that I want you to notice is that this gospel is for everyone. It's not for one group of people. Some Christians believe that God in the Bible works through dispensations. And there is a dispensation of Adam. Salvation was in a way for him. There is a dispensation of Moses. Salvation works in a way for him. The dispensation of the church. Salvation works in a different way for him. There is a dispensation of this and the dispensation of that. And salvation is achieved in different ways depending on the dispensation. Very nice idea. Very interesting. But it's not in the Bible. So the Bible says that there is an everlasting gospel. It doesn't change. It is the same way for every single human being, no matter the nation, no matter the tribe, no matter the language, no matter the people, no matter the time, no matter the culture. It is one message, one way of salvation for every single human being on this planet. Question number four, what three distinctive points does the first angel's message cover? So for that, let's go to the message that the, that the angel is giving. We read, <clears throat> pardon me, we read in verse 7, he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So this is the message of the very first angel. He is flying in midair. He has a very loud voice, and he's giving a message. And the first thing that he says, you need to fear God. What does it mean to fear God? Well, to fear God means a lot of things, but basically it means to obey God. When you go to the book of Deuteronomy, you will read many, many times that God asks you to fear him, to obey him. Fear him, obey him. Fear him, obey him. And I believe that's the idea here in the book of Revelation. It's not that you are going to be in panic before God. He is a God of love. But you are meant to obey him. You know, what God gives in the Bible, these are commandments. These are not recommendations. God gave ten commandments, not 10 suggestions or 10 good ideas, 10 pieces of advice, 10 tips for self-development. It's not like that. God gives commandments. And so at the end times, the angels tell us this messenger, because the word angel literally means messenger. This messenger tells us you need to fear God, meaning you need to obey God. It's not just a piece of advice. He means it. He wants you to obey him. And when you obey him, you are blessed. The second thing that he announces um, is that God is the 
creator. We will talk more about judgment in another weeks. So the second thing that I want you to notice today is that God is the creator. We are to worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So we are to fear God. Judgment is coming, but we will talk more about that later. And he is the creator. Now, this language about God, the creator, it says that uh, he made the heavens, he made the earth, he made the sea, he made the springs of water. is very similar to another passage that we find in the book of Exodus, chapter 20 and verse 19. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. You can go ahead. You're not on camera. Um, the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If you compare what the Bible says about God the Creator in the book of Revelation, and you compare the Sabbath commandment and what it says about God, about that Creator God, and you will notice that there are lots of similarities. Because the Sabbath commandment is a commandment that celebrates the Creator. So in the book of Revelation, you are told, remember the Creator. And in the fourth commandment, you are told how to remember Him. You are to remember Him by keeping His Sabbath. Because He did create the sea, the springs of water, everything that exists. So let's keep moving. Question number five. What solemn statement does the second angel make about Babylon? What does the angel of Revelation 18 urge God's people to do? Now, here we come to something interesting. In chapter 14, we have three angels. But then in chapter 18, there is another angel. It's a fourth angel. He is not part of the tree, but he repeats and amplifies the message of the second angel. So what is the message of the second angel and what is the amplification of that fourth angel in Revelation chapter 18. Let's read. Chapter 14 and verse 8. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. So the second angel is telling you that there is something called Babylon. We will not talk about Babylon today. We will unpack many of the symbols in following weeks. And this Babylon is very great. She has made the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries, but she is fallen. Now, let's move on to that fourth angel in chapter 18. Here we read verses 2 and verse 4. With a mighty voice, this angel shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. So you see, it's the same message. She has become a dwelling for demons and a hunt for every impure spirit, a hunt for every unclean bird, a hunt for every unclean and detestable animal. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. So the second angel is identifying some um, some. Power, he says, this is Babylon and she is fallen. But then in verse 18, she says again, she is fallen, but there is another voice. And this voice comes from heaven. 
This might be the voice of God. This might be the voice of Jesus. This might be the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's coming from heaven. This might be another angel. But I don't think it's an angel because the voice says, come out of her, my people. So here we find something interesting about that Babylon. Even though she is, um, in verse 14, we are told that she has made all the nations drink of her, the maddening wine of her adulteries. So she is apostate. She is not good with God. Nonetheless, there is a lot of God's people inside of her. Again, we will unpack these messages as we move on. But so far, we know that Babylon has a lot of corruption inside, but also has a lot of God's people inside. And they are called to come out of it. Question number six. Against what does the third angel's message solemnly warn? So we have gone angel one. Now we are going angel two and now angel Let us read chapter 14, verses 9 and 10. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and received its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. So the first angel was telling us to worship God. Remember, the first angel was telling us to fear God and the hour of his judgment is come and God is the one who created and the one who created has a commandment reminding us to worship him because he created. Now, the third angel is warning us about somebody else who also wants to be worshipped. God is to be worshipped the first angel. But the third angel is telling us, there is somebody else. He also wants to be worshipped. And if you worship him, and if you receive his mark, then you're in trouble. So from now, even though we're not in, unpacking too much, we can already see that there are two great powers in this universe, and they both demand worship. God demands worship because he is the creator. And he has a commandment to remind people that he is a creator. And there is another power. And this power also wants worship. And this power also has a way to demand that worship. And those who, re those who worship him receive something that is called the mark of the beast. Again, we are not unpacking all these things today, but we are introducing only these things. All right, so let's continue. And um, now we go to question number seven. What four-point description does God give in Revelation 14, 12 of his people who accept and follow the three angels' messages? So we have angel number one calling people to worship God, angel number two calling people to come out of Babylon, Angel number three, calling people not to worship the beast and to receive his image. But then after this angel's preach, the Bible describes God's people, those who accepted his call to worship him only. We read in verse 14, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God, who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. 
So I hope that you can see here that first, the people of God are enduring. Now, when you are enduring, it's because you are tested, you are tried, you are persecuted, you are being worked against. But God's people are enduring. God's people are having, the Greek word that is used is the word upomone. Um, the, Greek, the Greek word that is used is hopomone. Now, hopomone means enduring in the presence of force. Endurance in the presence of oppression. You are being oppressed, but you're enduring. So... God's people are enduring. A second thing that we see is that they are called the saints. Now, this version here, the NIV says the endurance on, on the part of the people of God, but actually on the Greek language, on the Greek manuscript, and in many, in some of the Bibles, it says on the saints of God, because they are called saints. Not because they are saints, God makes them saints. He is the one who purifies us. He is the one who sanctifies us. And then it says two things about them. They keep the commandments of God and they remain faithful to Jesus. So what do you need to do? As you look around, there are thousands of Christian churches out there. So what are you supposed to do? One week you go to this church, the next week you go to the next, next week to the next, next week to the next, next week to the next. Your life is going to be finished and you will not be able to visit all the Christian churches on the planet. So what are you to do? The Bible is telling you that in the last times, God's church looks like this. They are patiently enduring. They are facing opposition. They are not in the majority. They are actually in the minority. They are being worked against by other people and other forces. But they are the saints of God. They try their best to be close to God. And the way that they do that, they have two things. They keep the commandments of God. All of them. There are nine plus one, ten commandments. Many Christians are sort of trying to keep nine out of ten. But God gave ten commandments. And these people of God in the last days, they are keeping the ten commandments of God. They are faithful to Jesus. So that's what you need to look for. That's the kind of church that you need to look for. So if you are now in a Christian church and you see, oh, we're not doing too well, well, begin searching. Because Jesus says that you will seek and you will find. Question number eight, we need to keep moving. What happens immediately following the teachings of the three angels' messages to the people? The answer is given in verse 14. I looked and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle on his hand. If you remember the parables of Jesus, you will notice that many times he spoke about this event, about that great harvest, when the son of man comes and he harvests the world and the good grain he puts in his barn and the weeds he burns. And that's what the Bible is talking about. After the three angels give their messages, after God's people is identified, what comes next? The end. So Jesus comes and he takes his people to be with him. And those who rejected him, they are receiving their consequence. 
Question number nine. What is the Old Testament's counterpart to the three angels' messages? Remember that the first angel was, when he was uh, coming into sin, the text is telling us that this is the everlasting gospel. This message doesn't change. It has been everlasting. It's the same from the beginning. So do we have anything similar to the three angels in the Old Testament? Well, the question is, the answer is yes, we do. If you go to the book of Malachi, chapter 4 and verse 5, God says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So before the end, in the book of Revelation, we have the symbol of three angels. In the Old Testament, before the end, we have the symbol of a prophet called Elijah coming. Now, the question is, why would God use the figure of Elijah? Question number 11, what did Elijah do that caused the Lord to focus on him? Hey, some, some Bible trivia here. Book of Malachi, Malachi in Hebrew means my messenger. Malachi chapter 1 verse 1 says that this is the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, God says, I am sending my messenger. I am sending Malachi. It's not the same Malachi of chapter 1 verse 1, but it's a play of words. So I'm sending my messenger. At the end of the book of Malachi, God says, I am sending Elijah. Elijah is a prophet, but he is a messenger. And the meaning of the word messenger is Malachi, Malak, which in Greek is the word angelos, which means messenger which means angel. Are you confused? Okay, pay attention. After the video is finished, you can come back. <laughs> It's a play on word. The, the, in the Old Testament, God is sending a malak, a messenger. In the New Testament, God is sending an angel. But the word angel literally means messenger. So why is God sending Elijah the messenger? You can read in... Um, Oh, I forgot, the, I forgot to put the, um, the reference here. This is the book of 2 Kings. I believe it was verse 18. But um, yeah, sorry, I didn't put the reference here for you. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. So that's what Elijah did in the Old Testament. If you remember the story, the people were in rebellion to God. They were in apostasy. And so Elijah calls people to a big mountain. And he says, all right, let the God who is really God bring down fire from heaven. If you go to the book of Revelation, it says that there is some fire coming down from heaven. I mean, all these things are connected. And what Elijah is doing, people you need to choose. You need to choose whether to worship God or you need to choose whether to worship the enemy of God. And in this moment is Baal. And that's the very same thing that the angels are doing in the last day. They are telling people, you either worship God who created the heavens and the earth and the springs of water, or you worship the beast. It's the same thing, the same message. Now, question number 14, what will be the result of the Elijah message? We can read, we already know what is the result of the angel's message. So that gives you a clue what is the result of Elijah's message. Book of Malachi, chapter 4 and verse 6. He will turn the hearts of the parents 
to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So in the same way that the messages that the angels bring makes a distinction, you have God's people, they are taken with him, you have the enemies of God, they are destroyed. In the very same way, the message of Elijah creates reconciliation between fathers and sons, and who is the greatest father, our God. So either we are reconnected to God, or then there is total destruction. The word that is used there in the Hebrew is the word harem. And harem was a word that is many times used um, when he's talking about the conquest of Canaan, when God would say to his people, okay, you will go to that city and you will completely destroy it. You will not leave anything. You will burn it. The word harem is used. Complete destruction. Nothing is left. Now, question number 15, why are these messages called gospel? I mean, gospel is supposed to be good news. And that's what verse 6 says, Revelation 14, 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth. And you might be feeling, I don't see the good news. Well, yes, remember, there is a lot of good news. Because as you think about the, the messages of the three angels, you realize that God is giving a warning that is given to every person Everybody will have an opportunity to choose. I mean, it's very unjust, it's very unfair that something will come to an end and you didn't know. I mean, we're having a great sale, but it's finished. Everything was on discount, 90% discount, but it ended yesterday. So too bad for you. You never knew about it. That would be horrible. But God will not do that. He says that before the end, he will send these powerful angels and every single person on the planet will have a chance to listen. Another aspect of the message of the angels is that the plans of the devil are unmasked. He is shown. You have the beast, you have the mark of the beast, and you are clearly told how to recognize the beast. We're not doing that today, but we will do it in the following weeks. So the plans of the devil are unmasked. So it's not only the plan of God very clearly presented, but the plan of the devil is also very clearly presented. A third aspect why these messages are good news is that God's people are clearly identified. They are those who keep the commandments of God, all the Ten Commandments of God. They are those who believe in Jesus. So as you look around and you want to find God's people in the time of the end, look for that people. They keep all of the commandments of God. They believe squarely in Jesus Christ. Their salvation is not because they do this or they do that or they are this, they are that. No, their salvation is because of Jesus. You look for that kind of people, you have found God's people in the last days. Now, there are some things that we have left in the air, like we need to talk more about God's judgment. We will do that in the future. We need to talk more about Babylon. We need to talk more about the beast and the mark of the beast. But all these things are coming up later. Question 16. We have come to the end. Will you accept and obey the messages of the angels as you understand them? So as I said, we are going to be unpacking more and more these things. But many things should be clear to you already. And if you are hearing the voice of God 
And if you are understanding the voice of God, you need to choose to follow it. Every time that I talk to young people, I tell them that it is important for us to make a decision before we have to make a decision. And you, you would be saying, Pastor, you're not making any sense. Let me explain. If you're a young person and you want to be faithful to God, you want to be pure, specifically, you want to be sexually pure, you cannot wait until the moment that you are in the heat of temptation to think and decide whether you will be pure or not. Because when you are in the heat of the moment, there is no thinking. You will just fall. So you need to choose beforehand what you will choose in the moment. You need to have clear decision in your mind. When I, am, when I find myself in such and such situation, I am with a person of the opposite sex. I am attracted and the person is attracted to me, but we are not married. I decide today that I will be pure. I decide today that I will not sin. I decide today that when that decision comes, I will choose to walk away or run away like Joseph did. So it's the very same thing here with the angels' messages. There are some things in the Bible that we understand a little and uh, it will unfold and unfold. But the decision that you can make today is that whatever the Lord tells you, you will follow. What he tells, I will follow. He says this to me. I will follow. He says that to me, I will follow. And that's a choice that we need to make every single day. What God shows to me through his scripture and through the spirit in my heart, I will follow. Will you make that choice today? I pray and I hope that you will. Now for next week, we have another message for you. It's God through the plans. And I want to remind you again that uh, you can do all these studies by yourself on our website. And you can also go to Anchor FM and you can revisit the previous messages. And so I pray that the Lord has spoken to you today. I pray that your appetite is open to know more about the book of Revelation and these angel messages and the different symbols in the book and what they mean for us. And I hope that you have decided today that what God says, you will obey. The, the way that he opens, you will walk in it. May God bless you. Please allow me to pray with you. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you for your blessings. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to worship together. We had so many problems. But I believe that you have spoken to us. I believe that you have worked in our hearts, and I give you thanks for that. Please be with us on the rest of this Sabbath day, and help us to walk with you wherever you lead us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. May God bless you. Happy Sabbath.